Tappers, what's up? It is the Monday edition of the Daily Tap. Hope you're doing well. We are going to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat playoff matchup is here. We will also talk about Jordan Nora. What is his ceiling as a Bucks player after a great game against the Chicago Bulls? Lastly, we will chat about the Milwaukee Brewers offense. And if this offense is savable, where they are at the quarter part of the season, can this improve? There is a lot to go. A lot of reasons why this might be happening. Um, so we'll get into all of that uh, on the Monday show. But first, we are going to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat. So it had to be the Miami Heat, right? It had to be the Miami Heat as the Milwaukee Bucks first round opponent. For a good chunk of last week, I think we thought it would be the New York Knicks. Um, when we taped having the keg on Thursday night, it was the New York Knicks as the team the Bucks were going to face. I actually felt pretty good against the New York Knicks, mostly as we talked about, Mitch and I did, that Julius Randle was a kind of, could be held down by Giannis Antetokounmpo. That Giannis Antetokounmpo could easily sort of nullify what Julius Randle tries to do on offense. And so I felt pretty confident going into the Knicks. I felt like the Bucks would have to be the bad guys, but that would be okay. I think it would have been good as a chip on their shoulder. Instead, uh, the Miami Heat rested Jimmy Butler on on Saturday against, against the Bucks. Whether the Miami Heat were doing that intentionally or not is unknown. And if they were... I hope it's motivation for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, Jimmy Butler got it was a late scratch with the back injury, and the Buck and the Heat decided to no longer play Butler. And so, because they didn't play Jimmy Butler, the Bucks kicked the shit out of the Miami Heat. the The Miami Heat are not the same team they were last year. Um, we'll kind of talk about this and get into it a little bit more as we talk Bucks Heat, um, because I think it's really interesting and really a helpful exercise to sort of go through it and say, all right. This is an entirely different team than last year. They have some of the same pieces, but it's different. And just because of what happened last year doesn't mean it's going to happen this year. And I think it's really important to go over that. But this team for the current year has really been generated on if Jimmy Butler is there or not. And Jimmy Butler wasn't there, and so the Miami Heat got their asses handed to him on the Bucks, I mean, they won by 14, but it was a lot more than that. And Miami Heat did pull it back a couple times, but the Bucks found ways to score buckets and kind of keep it around that 14-point, you know, ledger, shall we say. And the fact of the matter is, is that, yeah, the Heat might have tanked this game to play the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't know. But it, it doesn't make sense. I'll, I will call out that, not to argue with myself, but the Miami Heat has, have owned the New York Knicks this, this year. So I don't know if, why they would want to play the Milwaukee Bucks when they could have played the New York Knicks. And if they could have played the New York Knicks, would that have been easier for them? But I don't know. Maybe they would have had to play the Hawks if they would have won. I, I, it was really jumbled between the Hawks, Heat, and, and Knicks. So I have no idea. Um, but regardless, uh, it is Bucks Heat. And so it, we are doing this again. There will be a lot of national media people who believe the Bucks are screwed, believe the Bucks are in a... Tough spot. I, I haven't listened to Bill Simmons and Reiner Silla yet, but I already saw that they had a note calling it Milwaukee's burden. So we'll see what that means. But the fact of the matter is, is that the Bucks are in a good spot. I'm not really worried about the Milwaukee Bucks against the Miami Heat. I, I'm going to choose to not include what happened last year. I know Eric Spolstra is a better coach than Mike Budenholzer. I get that, right? And I get playing in a playoff series against Eric Spolstra is not going to be easy for anyone. He's a really good coach. 
That said, I just think this Heat team is different. And I think this Bucks team is different. And I would love to do an exercise here where we just count the differences of between the Bucks and the Heat and basically talk through exactly what what's going on and exactly why this is not going to be a repeat of the bubble. With the Milwaukee Bucks, you have Drew Holiday. That is that should be the the starter with all of this. Drew Holiday is on this team. He is not Eric Bledsoe. Drew Holiday has been really good in the playoffs in the limited time he's been there. He has very good playoff numbers. Drew Holiday is a complete difference maker for this Milwaukee Bucks team, not only offensively, but also on the defensive side. He will prevent Goran Dragic from having sort of that out-of-body experience that Dragic did in the bubble. Um, That will be kind of Holiday's assignment. He will get Dragic a lot um, coming off the bench. So I'm curious to see what rotations will look like for the Bucks as Holiday will probably need to play a little bit more and need to play a little bit more against the second team. Now Dragic obviously comes in in clutch time situations, but Drew Holiday is going to be a huge part of why Milwaukee, why there won't be a repeat because I think that Drew Holiday has what it takes to kind of shut down Dragic and shut down the middle. That's kind of that early perimeter and also against Jimmy Butler. And to talk about Jimmy Butler, there's P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker is another difference in this series. P.J. Tucker will get on Jimmy Butler a lot, which frees up Chris Middleton, which gives Chris Middleton an opportunity to sort of be just an offensive player and doesn't have to exert himself so much defensively. Um, I thought last year in the bubble, that was a huge factor that Middleton had to do so much defensively that he kind of wore himself down and had some rough shooting nights because of it. And so now Mids is going to basically get to face, you know, get to kind of roam around, maybe take a Duncan Robinson, take a Tyler Harrow, maybe uh, Trevor Ariza who's starting for them or Kendrick Nunn who's been playing pretty well. That, that to me is is what this gives you with P.J. Tucker. And P.J. Tucker will play a lot. And he is a great matchup for Jimmy Butler because he has that physical you know presence to sort of keep Butler out of the post, keep him sort of at bay and frustrate Jimmy Butler. I think Jimmy Butler, while a great player and one of the best clutch players I think we've seen in recent NBA history... Jimmy gets frustrated really quickly. And if you can kind of get under his skin, which is what P.J. Tucker will do, I think you can take Jimmy Butler out of the game. And I think the Bucs will have that ability with a guy like P.J. Tucker. They also have Bobby Portis off the bench. Now, you could ask yourself, why is Bobby Portis matter? Well, Bobby Portis has had some really big moments for the Milwaukee Bucks this year. And Bobby Portis is a guy who I, I think can really factor in against a guy like Bam Adebayo and you know give Bam Adebayo some frustration. Um, they, they don't really have a backup big that I, I really worry about. You look at their kind of their bigs and it, it's really Bam Adebayo and everybody else, right? You you see what they have. You know, Presses Ochoa really didn't play. They have Dwayne Dedman. That's a bad matchup uh, for Dedman. Um, Andre Iguodala off the bench is short. Um, so they really don't have a backup big. It's really just Bam Adebayo. So the fact that they can bring out Bobby Portis, I don't really know who guards Bobby Portis on that Miami Heat bench at the moment. I, I don't see it. I, I really don't. And I think that could be a real issue for for Miami. 
And Bryn Forbes just adds more scoring. And I think we've seen a really strong finish this season with Bryn Forbes. And it would not surprise me if Bryn Forbes has a couple moments here in the first round of the playoffs. I think he can be a difference maker. He had 21 points in the game on Saturday, uh, nailing five threes. He's been red hot. And I think he's a guy that's going to get a lot of opportunity for Milwaukee. So it will not surprise me at all if Forbes and Portis have some big games for the Milwaukee Bucks. And that just, it, it goes to how different this Bucks team is. And also to note, he had 18 points on on uh, Saturday, Brooke Lopez. I mean, Brooke Lopez is taking it to the paint. And Brooke Lopez has kind of reinvented himself yet again. It's kind of incredible to watch Brooke Lopez this version where he's more in the paint, less focused on threes, just taking it to guys. I mean, he scored nine point. He scored. He had nine field goals yesterday or on Saturday against the Heat, all inside. And so you can say what you want about Jimmy Butler and Jimmy Butler not being there. I get it, right? But the fact of the matter is, is the Bucks were able to kind of do whatever the hell they wanted against this Miami Heat team, and that's that's pretty big. That's a, that's a pretty big accomplishment. And I know it would have been a little different with Butler. Scored 122 points. That's pretty good against a team who's known for their defense, right? So I, I have to give the Bucks credit in that regard as well. Other parts of this where it is different. I will say, and this is more on the positive side for the Heat, and he had 31 points on a Saturday, much to probably do with Jimmy Butler not being there. But Kendrick Nunn is definitely you know better than what he was in the bubble Kendrick Nunn Nunn was kind of a non-factor and now Nunn is a starter for the Heat Um, Tyler Harrow has been relegated to the bench Harrow was very bad on Saturday he's been awful all season which we'll get to in a second so I don't want to get distracted Nunn Nunn is a difference maker Nunn's a guy who can basically be a flamethrower be the type of guy who Hits like 100 threes against the Bucks and seems like he never misses. It scares you every time he shoots the ball. There's a little bit of an irrational confidence in him, though, too, which could play to the Bucks' advantage, honestly, because if he's, you know, kind of just shooting willy nilly and not necessarily dialed in with what the Heat are trying to do, that could be a real problem. That could be a real issue for for Miami. And we'll just sort of see what happens there uh, with the Miami Heat and Kendrick Nunn. But that is a difference in the positive. Now, in sort of the other side of the difference is, Tyler Harrow has mentioned, totally different player this year. Tyler Harrow has been so bad. The bubble was an out-of-body experience for Tyler Harrow. And since then, it seems like everybody has a book on Tyler Harrow. Yes, he has 15 points a game. He's he's not like bad, but his field goal percentage has been ugly this year. It seems like he has a lot of these one for nine games. He's overall he's shooting about 43%, which is similar, but his three-point percentage is down. He's at 36% this year, only making two threes and shooting 5.53. So he's missing a little bit more, not really getting to the free throw line. He doesn't do much in terms of the rest of the game. It's just scoring points for Tyler Harrow. And it, it just really isn't, he isn't the same player. And that that is pretty easy to say. Um, I think we can all sort of comfortably say that Tyler Harrow is not the same player that he was last year. And he is a little feels more empowered, and I don't know if he should. And so Tyler Harrow, with a 50% full Bucks crowd, is going to be different than Tyler Harrow in the bubble. 
And Duncan Robinson is kind of taking a step back this year. And they don't have Jay Crowder. And they don't have Kelly Olenek. Jay Crowder and Kelly Olenek were two guys that would torment the Milwaukee Bucks, especially Jay Crowder. He isn't there. So there's a lot of differences here. So I don't think you can point to the bubble and say, well, the Heat own the Bucks." No. If, if they were the same teams, yeah. Even if the Bucks had like Eric Bledsoe and didn't have P.J. Tucker and didn't have Drew Holiday... Like, yeah, we could be a little more worried about this series. But because there's not that difference, I don't understand how anyone can point to last year and say, well, this is going to be a bad look for the Bucks." If we want to say, like, yeah, the Bucks are going to be beat up, how are they going to handle Brooklyn? I-, I can understand that. But look, okay, so Washington, right? What? They, won't, they won't see Washington. Never mind. I was going to say, if Brooklyn got Washington, I was going to mention that. It's, that's going to be real. That would be really tough for Brooklyn. I think Wash, I mentioned Washington to Mitch. Mitch told me I was kind of crazy and was like, well, why do anyone care about Washington? But it's basically going to, well, no. They, so there is a chance they could play Washington. So, Sky, roll that back. Rewind. The battle for the seventh seed is between the Wizards and the Celtics. Celtics have been terrible. And they are favored, which is crazy. Um, so I may have to grab the Wizards a little early here. But the fact of the matter is, is the Wizards are playing the best basketball of almost any team in the Eastern Conference. The Wizards can face the Brooklyn Nets. And if the Wizards and Nets face off against each other, that remember how close all those games were. The Nets do not want to see the Wizards. And you can talk about how the Heat will beat up the Bucks. But the Wizards can try to run the Nets off the court. And there's fatigue in that too. Maybe the Wizards aren't as physical as the Miami Heat. They aren't. But they are going to run your ass. It is going to be a sprint every time you're facing them. And maybe the Wizards only get the series to five. But there's a, there's reason to believe they could get it to a seven-game series. Or not a seven-game. I shouldn't go that far. But a six-game series for sure with guys like Westbrook and Beal. They've beat the Nets twice this year. They they have confidence against that Nets team. The last team the Nets want to see is the Wizards. The Nets would prefer an easy ride with the Celtics, which might get the Sixers or or the Hornets or the Pacers. That's what that's would be more ideal for all these teams. But for but it's I don't think it's gonna happen. I don't think that's gonna happen. I think it's going to be Wizards Nets, and that's gonna be a real tough tough task for Brooklyn. So don't sleep on that. So everyone's saying like Brooklyn's going to have a cakewalk. They're going to be ready for Milwaukee. What's to say Brooklyn won't be just as fatigued as the Bucks? And also they got to, I understand they had that awesome Globetrotters play on, on Sunday. That was kind of a warning shot to the league. Fine. Fuck it. It's one play against the Cavs team that didn't want to be there. I'm not worried about that. So this team chemistry still has to matter. And yeah, they looked great against the, the Bulls and the Cavs. I could probably put 20 points against those teams late season. Let's see what happens when when the chips are down. I'm just just telling you. I understand the excitement, but I think it's a little bit overreactionary. Moving on, staying in the Bucks lane, but a little different, talking about Jordan Nora. So Jordan Nora had just an awesome game against the Chicago Bulls on Sunday. The Bulls, their Bucks ended up resting basically all their starters. The Milwaukee Bucks decided to pull everybody back as it seemed like the Nets were going to get the two seed. Because of that, they pulled everybody. Jordan Nora ended up playing 36 minutes in the game on 
Sunday as the Bucks only played eight guys. Nora weirdly came off the bench, uh, but he scored 34 points. He had 14 rebounds. Uh, he made 14 shots and he made four threes. Nora was a walking bucket. I think everybody who watches the Bucks, who's part of Bucks Twitter, would call him a bucket. Jordan Nora does some shit that is just things we don't really see. Frank Madden pointed this out. Uh, fun Jordan Norris stats to wrap up tonight. First rookie to put up a 34 and 14 stat line since Kareem. Joins Big Dog and Vin Baker as the only Bucks rookies to have multiple 2010 games in the last 40 years. More 20 point games as a rookie, three, than Giannis or Jabari combined. So there is some real potential for Nora. He's great offensively. He just needs to get on the defensive side of things. Like, I, I think it's a little too far to say, like, he's Devin Booker or could be Devin Booker, but like, there's a little bit of Devin Booker in him where he's just a complete microwave and can score, 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 but cannot play a lick of defense. And I know that the NBA is like the steroid era in baseball where it's all offense and all these offensive numbers are getting inflated. And Ryan Rosillo did a thing, I think, last week on the Bill Simmons show about. Don't get too excited about these guys who have third, random 30-point games down the stretch. Look, I understand that where Ryan's coming from. But look, Jordan Nora, whenever he's got a moment, he's lived up to it. So he's clearly shown that he's ready to ascend maybe to the next level. But he just has to get that defense in line. He can't be as bad of a defender as he is right now. He's just lost defensively. And you can act that offense is, is the big thing. And it is. But you need to at least have a little bit of defense. You and do I think the Bucks could pull a in case of emergency Jordan Nora card? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jordan Nora could be that energy guy where you just basically bring him in for I don't know two minutes and see if Jordan Nora is on. Mitch suggested this with Bryn Forbes back before Bryn Forbes really kind of found himself and where he's like, well, Bryn, you just bring him in the playoffs just to see if he's hot. I think you can do that with Jordan Nora. I don't think you can have him out there for longer than five minutes because he's just terrible defensively. But I think if you check on Jordan Nora and say, hey, are you hitting shots? And if Jordan Nora is hitting shots, then yeah, maybe that's a shot in the arm for the Bucks. Now, Thanasis Antetokounmpo went down with an injury, which I know is probably not going to be that significant. Thanasis has playing time has went down, but he's another guy where if you need a little energy, you need a spark, that's why you bring in Thanasis. So maybe Jordan Nora takes that spot away from Thanasis as just let's check and see if Jordan Nora is on a heater tonight. I I don't think they'll do it. I don't think they'll pull that card, but it's definitely something to think about. And Jordan Nora is definitely a guy to think about for next season, as well as Mamadou Diake, who had 13 points, seven rebounds um, in the game last night. I think the Bucks have a very strong future. And I know that there's a lot of people who put the pressure on the Bucs, that the Bucs have to win this year. They really don't. And I, I said this in a few things, and I know this is convenient. You're like, oh, here we go with the excuses. No, the Bucs have a long window right now. The Bucs have a wide open window. This is not something where they have to win next year or this year. And if they stub on their toe again, Mike Boonhoser probably doesn't have a job. Again, I've said this before and I'll say it again. It's all based on Giannis Antetokounmpo. And if Giannis Antetokounmpo wants Bud fired, guess what? who's going to be fired? Bud. If he wants to keep Bud, guess who's keeping his job? Mike Budenholzer. So I understand everyone's vitriol with Bud, 
but it all comes down to Giannis. So be mad at Giannis if Bud keeps his job. But again, the window is not closed. Just because the Bucks, if the Bucks lose early, the window is not closed. Because not only do they have Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo for multiple years, they have emerging talent like Nora. Bryn Forbes, I think, has, is it, I don't know if Bryn Forbes is a one-year deal. If he was, that's too bad. Bobby Portis has another year left. P.J. Tucker, I, I think the chemistry that he has with Giannis and some of the guys, like why wouldn't P.J. Tucker come back to Milwaukee? He might not stay in Milwaukee just because the weather sucks and I don't think he likes it. But he's been out in the clubs. He's had a good time. Like, I don't know. Maybe P.J. Tucker likes it here. Maybe P.J. Tucker wants to stay. So I'm not I'm not ready to just say, okay, this is a one-and-done thing for the Bucks. Now, do I believe in Milwaukee more than I have in years past? Yeah. This is as confident as I've felt about the Bucks. I'll be honest. When we went into the bubble, I may be I may have kind of just told myself I, it was going to be okay. The warning signs were there that the Bucks were going to fall apart. That was a weird year. Two years ago, I felt very good about the Bucks. I felt like they could beat anybody. I was a little worried about Kawhi Leonard, and it turned out to be true. But again, the Bucks were a triple a double overtime game away from going up 3-0 in that series. And if they go up 3-0. They likely win the series. I doubt Toronto comes all the way back. And on top of that, they get a Warriors team where, unfortunately, Kevin Durant got hurt. Who knows? Maybe he doesn't get hurt. And they could have maybe won the championship. Who knows, right? That's that's on the table. That's a great what if. And so I just think that this is as good of the Bucks team as they've had in the last three years. This is the best team they've had in the last three years. And if you don't realize that, I'm sorry. Um, and I understand the scar tissue, but you should be all in on this on this version of the Milwaukee Bucks. Let's wrap up today's show with the Milwaukee Brewers. So Milwaukee Brewers were able to sort of break out of their offensive slump uh, as they beat the Atlanta Braves ten to nine on on Sat on Sunday. So you're thinking, wow, really bad pitching performance. You know, of course their offense is going and their pitching staff doesn't. Well, on contraire. You had Freddie Peralta dominate. Freddie Peralta was awesome through six innings. He gave up two hits. I think he struck out eight batters. I think he only walked one. He had a no-hitter going through, I think, five innings. So Freddie, Freddie was great. Freddie was great in this game. Did not allow a run. He continues to look like an ace. And it continues to see the Brewers have a three-headed monster with him, Brandon Woodruff, and Corbin Burns. And which, if that if you have that, it will take you into the playoffs. And you'll have, that is playoff level pitching staff right now with those three guys. I know Brett, Brett Anderson, Adrian Hauser haven't been as good, but in the playoffs, you really only need three starters. You maybe need that fourth guy. And whether the Brewers should explore, you know, options for that fourth starter is definitely on the table, but it's, it's a little too early. Um, it, we are a quarter way through the season. But the Brewers don't have a playoff-style offense. The offense has been terrible. Um, it does not match what we've seen out of the starting pitching and really for the bullpen as well. Um, I know the bullpen was bad in the game last night. They gave up seven runs. Um, J.P. Eisen just really didn't have it. Then Brett Suter gives up a grand slam to Freddie, Freddie Freeman. I don't know why um, Craig Council thinks Brent Suter can come in middle of the inning. He just can't. He needs to give that up 
And I know Fire Eisen didn't have it. And I know it was a lefty-lefty matchup. And the Brewers really don't have a lefty specialist. Perdomo shouldn't really be in high-leverage situations. They might just have to eat it. And I, they can't get obsessed with the matchup, in my opinion. But that's another story for another time. So the Brewers end up, yeah. They give up a ton of runs in the bullpen. But the bullpen has been playoff quality. The offense has not. And the offense is really struggling. They are one of the worst teams in in a lot of these st- the stats that we care about. OPS, they're in the bottom half or the bottom four, fourth. They're like 25th. They are near the top of the list in strikeouts. They're fourth in the league overall. Um, the Brewers are near the bottom in hits. The only place where the Brewers have a little bit of a normal offense is home runs. They're 16th overall in home runs. But this offense has been anemic. It's not been good. And what sort of what can you do what what should we sort of say about this team because if the brewers can fix their offense they're a playoff slash world series contender and i think they all know that i think the brewers know if we just have the offense we can carry ourselves to the postseason we can get there now they don't have christian yelich they don't have keston hera both are in AAA. I would expect Christian Yelich to be up for the Kansas City series um, for Tuesday and be in the lineup on Tuesday evening. Kessin Hira, maybe as well. Kessin Hira was lashing doubles and things like that. So the fact they haven't had Yelich and Hira basically for most of the first quarter of the MLB season, I think matters a lot. And everybody around the offense gets better. I think you the production at times from the outfield hasn't been great. We've talked about Lorenzo Cain. We've talked about Jackie Bradley Jr. We've talked about needing Tyrone Taylor a little bit more in the offense. Obviously, El Garcia has been great. Same with Travis Shaw, Omar Narvaez. Those guys have been really strong. Dan Vobox had a couple couple big moments here and there. He kind of broke the seal on Sunday. But the Milwaukee Brewers just have to get better overall offensively. It's not just one player. And I know Christian Yelich matters. And I know Keston Hero matters. But the fact of the matter is that the Brewers just need to figure out a way to get timely hits. And to sort of not think about the home run. And not think about that. And not sort of overwork themselves. They looked very relaxed on Sunday. I'll put it this way. They looked more relaxed than I think I've seen them in the last few weeks. Where it just seemed like they were going up to the plate and just hitting the baseball. And I don't know if it was the open air. I don't know if it was just the pep talk before the game. But the Brewers seemed much more relaxed at the plate than trying to do too much. And that, I mean, that's like life, right? When we're relaxed and we're feeling good, it, it everything starts to come together. But when we're tight and we're trying to do too much, it seems we lead to all these runners getting left in scoring position. So maybe this is the turn. Maybe the Brewers are finally turning the corner. I don't want to say that after one game. I'd like to see four or five games of pretty competent offense. I'm not asking for the Brewers to be, you know, scoring 10 runs a game. That's highly unrealistic. But to be, you know, as Mitch has mentioned, you know, I don't want to go into the sixth inning only having one run. Absolutely. Like if we can get the next week, week and a half, where the Brewers have anywhere from three to five runs by the sixth inning in each of their games, I am content and I'm ready to say this offense has turned a corner. But one game does not solve all the problems of last week, and I still have a lot of concerns about this offense. And again, 
David Stern seems to downplay that the idea that Andy Haynes is going to be fired doesn't sound like that's part of the Brewers' plan at this point, which I think is probably the right move. I think Haynes deserves... The more I thought about it, Haynes deserves this to have this offense with Yelich and Hira. But if Yelich and Hira are still struggling and it's still a problem for the Brewers come mid-June, then you have to, you have to change something up. You have to do something a little different. And I don't know what that is at this point, whether it's a lineup change, whether it is you know a new approach to the plate, but the Brewers are going to have to sort of start showing some progress because they have a playoff, a playoff pitching staff. They just need to find that playoff offense. And if they can do a little bit more, they can get there. And that becomes really scary for the rest of the National League as well as the National Central. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. Um, we'll see what we have topics-wise because it, it, there's not a lot going on um, in the sports world tomorrow. No brewers, no books. Uh, so we'll find some stuff. Don't don't worry about us, but we'll have, we'll have a good show for you tomorrow. And then we'll be back with Tabby the Keg as well as the week rolls on. All right, take care, guys. Have yourself a great Monday. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye.